They say banks are boring, credit unions are dull. We don't agree, we love them all. Except for the big banks and neos who take a market share, make consumers blue. Need a fresh perspective, new direction. Take back banking and make some connections. If you feel stuck, it's not your fault. Here's an idea, try thinking outside the vaults. Hi, I'm Zach Garber and welcome to Thinking Outside the Vault. Usually I jump right into a story, but this is a weird time right now with everyone sheltering in place and the economic uncertainty. It's actually really hard to fathom the complex challenges that everyone is facing, and I'm not pretending that we've got the solution, but we are here to help. And on today's episode, we're gonna talk about some of those challenges, as well as how community banks and credit unions can make the best of the situation. There are opportunities that may be hidden in plain sight, Many institutions will miss them, but you don't have to. Before we get into that, I'm going to share my story. Now, have you ever walked out of a movie theater and someone is holding the door for you? Someone you don't even know. And not just for you, but they're holding it for the person behind you and the person behind them. And you wonder, how did that guy end up in this spot? Well, let me tell you, because I am that guy. My mother raised me right. There was a period where I recall being taught to open doors for other people, especially women. One time, I remember walking up to the front door of this store that didn't have an automatic opener. The door didn't move. My mother stood there watching me. What are you going to do? She asked. I don't know, I said. You're going to open the door for me and your sisters. That's what you're going to do. Oh, okay. <laughs> and this lesson had to be relearned quite a few times over the next year or so before it took hold. But take hold it did. Maybe too well. Because to this day, I am the guy who finds himself holding the door at the movie theater. Everybody is piling out of the viewing room and smacking each other with the door until some well-intentioned soul decides to hold it open. But once I start this gesture, I can't stop unless I want to choose a victim to eat a face full of door. Ultimately, I feel good about holding the door. I just feel stuck. <laughs> so it's, you know, it, it's just a tricky thing. And here's my point. Everybody notices the guy holding the door to the theater because it's counterintuitive. You're supposed to go with the flow and let people hold their own door. And right now, Americans are spending more time than ever streaming television, using their computers and smartphones at home. They're like an endless crowd of people leaving a digital theater. And you have a choice when it comes to your marketing. Will you do the slightly uncomfortable thing and stay visible with your message, or will you disappear into the hustle and bustle? To explore this topic in depth, Casas's chief marketing officer, Keith Brennan, joins our show all the way from Atlanta, Georgia. He's seen numerous economic downturns throughout his career, and he's got some powerful ideas about what community financial institutions should do with their marketing dollars in times like ours. So listen in. I know you're going to enjoy the episode. And don't worry, I will still be here holding the door when you're done. So Keith Brandon, I'm really excited to have you here on Thinking Outside the Vault. This is a special treat and I'm looking forward to the conversation that we're going to have today. Um, for our listeners' sake, I would love it if you would just kind of tell them a little bit about yourself and, and what it's like to be the Chief Marketing Officer at Casasa. Um, yeah, I, uh, so a little bit about me. I um, I've been at Casasa for six years. Prior to that, I spent most of my career in um, sort of change management, leadership types of roles within the marketing area. Most of the roles that I've had, people were looking for pretty major strategic shifts in the way they were doing things. Um, and uh, so I, I've been fortunate to lead a lot of those. I've worked at very large financial institutions with you know millions and millions of uh, consumers that we served as a single brand. And at the same time, uh, I've also been at you know, startups. Yeah. I was a, a 14th employee at CareerBuilder. So, oh, wow. and uh, all, right prior to that was in a consulting role at Anderson Consulting when they were you know, much smaller than they are today, but also very high quality. And it was always in financial services roles. So I think that over the funny thing is, I was thinking about this a while back, and I think that over the years, man, there's there's not that many products and services that I haven't marketed, sold, 
or help design and build. And that goes all the way from uh, when I was introduced to really being in the marketing capacity on financial services, it was at what's now Accenture. I was living in New York, working for a lot of different firms on their behalf and all the way down to uh, building like a trading floor desk that we had to market and sell on behalf of Accenture, right? Like, yeah, back in that day, it was, we were selling, we literally, the first one we sold was to an organization that's no longer in business, Bear Stern, right? They went down with the the big financial meltdown. We had sold them, you know, at the time we built this, this massive environment that was, uh, uh, all real time, super cool stuff. And that was a really long time ago. Um, but, but, you know, even since then, marketing and selling products has been from stocks and bonds to agriculture insurance to credit cards, credit unions, uh, mutual funds. I mean, you just go down the list. There's probably not very many I haven't been in contact with. So it's been a fun, it's been a fun time, but you, you know, you definitely see a lot of changes in marketing and over the years, I think that now as we're sitting in a, a sort of a financial crisis that's uh, not caused by, you know, a systemic problem in our own uh, of our own doing. Right. It's not caused by, you know, bad loans, uh, bad code. I remember the bad code problem. Right. Y2K. Everybody coded it in. For <laughs> right. Yeah. I've been joking with people about that because that was like the big thing that I, I mean, like, I don't know what it was. I was. 13, I guess, when that happened. I'll age myself there. But, uh, you know, it was very vivid to me because of the age that I was at. Yeah. So, I mean, we, I guess this is my, this would be my fourth major economic meltdown in, in 20 years, right? The uh, Y2K was systemic and that was our fault. Um, the bubble burst right after that in 2001, 2002, which was the internet bubble that was also our, our uh, of our making. Um, the financial crisis mm-hmm. is also of our making with the types of lending behavior and then now this one. And so all very different, um, but uh, all of them, you know, super impactful, not just to the companies and how you have to respond during that time. And that's a topic too, right? Like how a company responds during a time when things are really, really changing rapidly and you, you don't have control over it. The natural desire is to pull back when in many cases you just actually push forward into the into your markets. Um, and then there's the consumer behavior change that these really radical things that are totally unexpected cause consumers to do with their behavior. Because right, none of us expected this. This is this is we've all heard of it, but the truth is we go about our daily lives grabbing a coffee as soon as you roll out of bed, shuffling yourself down to work, you know, grinding it out all day long and looking forward to Friday like everybody else while you raise your kids and plan for your plan for whatever mm-hmm. the next future really is. And <clears throat> this is a this is a this is a, a disruption of a whole new kind. So very interesting times right now for those of us that are uh, in marketing and, and business in general. That's that's a great point. It, it's interesting uh, when we were kind of processing the, the idea for this podcast, I'd actually made a note right at the beginning of the year that I wanted to have you on the podcast to talk about marketing and economic cycles. And uh, here we are yeah. with a perfect case study. And it sounds like you've got some really good yeah. context just having walked through this type of thing yeah. before. Um, I mean, from the, from the listener's standpoint, you know, my, my understanding from what I've been reading and seeing is just that, you know, people are trying to figure out what they should do with their operation as a whole, how, you know, what are the changes that they need to make to support their existing account holders and how do they just keep the, the ship, you know, and aimed in the right direction and afloat, you know, while all these, all this uncertainty is going on. Um, is that, is that kind of square with what you're seeing? Or is there more nuance? Yeah, to that? I mean, I think there are a couple of things about that. It, that's what's going on now. I think that the there's there's two things that business leaders are really struggling with right now. There's this very acute thing, right? It's like, oh my god, this just really happened. It's just a very acute sensation. It's almost like you know you broke your arm or something. Super acute, really like right mm-hmm. now, and all things come to a stop because of that. And that sensation lasts for, at least for us and for the people I've been communicating with, it it really lasts for probably about a week and a half uh, so that you can try and get your team and your organization and everything kind of get their legs back under them again, right? So that there's, there's 
some sense of normalcy and cadence to your business. And then it really shifts into this. Um, I, I have Groundhog Day. I don't know about everybody else. I, I, I feel like it's Groundhog Day every day right now. You know, I mean, I, that movie is so classic. And I like wake up in the morning and I think, okay, let's just go do our thing. And it seems like any other day. And then you realize, oh my God, I'm still dealing with this thing. And, 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 and literally, and, just as big and problematic as it was yesterday. Yeah, if not that's worse. the thing, right? It's like up until 10 o'clock in the morning, you're like, okay, I'm just going to go through. I got my coffee and I'm going to do all my normal stuff. And then you're like, oh, here we go again. Here's another thing. And, and so it's like Groundhog Day and just getting hit in the head with a frying pan like every single day at some point. But the acute nature of it has definitely diminished because people at least see and are gaining information. And that's part of what has helped us. And I'll walk you through that as an organization, but gain the, the desire to gain information and have really relevant information, make you help you make really rapid business decisions for your, your own business, as well as your customers and plan for your future is most important right now. So I think the acute nature of the pain was let's get adjusted. And as soon as we felt like we had some people adjusting, it was let's get information. And now we're in this, this mode of, for God's sakes, let's not let all things come to a stop, right? Nobody wants, and everybody that we talk to, everybody that I hear from, you know, we've got a lead gen team that reaches out to people all the time. We've got people that manage our, our clients. We've got salespeople in the field, plus our partners. Everyone has the same sensation. And the sensation is, no matter what happens, I do not want to have to restart the momentum of my business from zero. And so consequently, everybody right mm -hmm. now has shifted from being very acute to how do I deal with this and what can we do? And I actually think that right now, the big benefit that we all have as a, as a collective group of, of humans running businesses is that we all feel that way. Yeah, that's a good, that's a great point. I mean, this, this is, Every bit of shared yeah. experience. Um, it's not from like that it, standpoint. in the dot com. It um, was not that way, by the way. In the dot com, that was definitely not the case. And in the financial meltdown, that was definitely not the case. You had lots of people feeling pain in both that were tangential to, tan, to those specific industries. Mm -hmm. But boy, the people really feeling the pain were the people in the, in the dot com business that were at the smaller businesses, high growth, trying to raise money and working at a deficit of cash. The people in the big secure businesses were like, man, I don't know what y'all are worried about. It, this is fine. But to, <laughs> and so it was very difficult. To get, I was, in, I was yeah. on the dot-com side of that time. It was very difficult to get help when you needed it from your partners, when you really needed them to respond quickly. They were not mm. having acute pain. Right now, everybody's responding quickly as a, as a collective across all industries. And it's, that is probably the one thing we've all got going for us. So there's a different level of empathy yeah. because because of how yeah, shared the sure. experience is. That makes sense. I mean, that's encouraging, at least on the level of like yeah. we can all <laughs> help each other in some capacity versus just saying like, well, I yeah. mean, it's your problem. It's you, all, you figure it, it out. We've all got it right now. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. So from the perspective of a community financial institution yeah. leader, um, my, you know, I've shut down all my branches, right? I've got people trying to, you know, man phones and things from home and, and doing the best that I can to keep my institution open and functioning at some level. Um, but it looks very different than it did a couple of weeks ago. Um, what, I mean, what are the, are there opportunities there for people to, to, to do more than just yeah. survive? Um, yeah, you know, yeah I, I definitely think so. I mean, I, I, I will say that it, it depends on how prepared the institution was already to, to like support consumer behavior today already. But regardless of that fact, there are definitely ways that all FIs from a marketing standpoint can engage. Because one of the things we see is that most of the FIs are not just closing all of their branches, right? They may be limiting access to the lobby. A lot of them still have drive throughs open, their ATMs are open. You can, by appointment, go in, but it changes the tone and tenor of availability if you're the consumer. It may not really change it. Like It may mm -hmm. not really be that 
uh, I, I could probably, you know, just go down the street and make a call and walk into one, a uh, local FI, right? But that's different than just driving up and walking in. So there is a there's a new step kind of required to do the thing. And there's a little bit of confusion that's natural in that type of a market just when the environment changes around you that they're not sure, oh, if I go through the drive-thru, then I have to do something else. Can I actually go inside if I needed to do something? How do I get that done? So there's just a lot of questions that this environment creates. And so I would say all FIs can do just a couple of things. Number one, there's no better time to understand how you serve a customer than now. If you're if you're a leader, go super deep. Um, I'm, I'm probably driving my teams crazy with it right now. Uh, how exactly is this happening? And can we make it better for the end customer? And that means like literally walking the process. If someone calls you, don't let that call go unanswered because there's somebody on the other, phone, on the other end of the phone right now that might be having a problem that's different than you're used to dealing with. But if you solve it for them, that is such a great uh, experience for them that you create a raving fan. And you don't know, you don't know when that call is mm. going to come in. You don't know when that email that you're supposed to follow up is going to come in. And so those things are just manage your process so that when leads come in or applications come in that you're not treating it like you did. 12 days ago, which meant maybe I follow up on it today. Maybe I follow up on it tomorrow. You're treating it like it's the only source. It's mana, right? That That is mana. Right. You got to follow up on that thing in two or three minutes. Because the- well, it sounds like it's uh, it, it, the stakes are higher, right? And there's an opportunity for you to, to be the hero in a way that you maybe didn't have, you know, a couple of weeks ago or whatever, like, you know, the, you matter to that person in a way that you. Yeah, that's right. When it, I sent an email out to all of our uh, um, FI leaders earlier in the week, and in the closing part of it, I said, "Hey, if you take nothing else away from it, now is the time to be vital to your consumers. Be vital to what they're what they need and what they're going to do, even if that's different than what they needed yesterday. And that's and that that's the position that you definitely want to be in right now. Um, gotcha. So first thing you said was was look at that consumer experience, make sure that you really understand it and that you've gone through it yourself and, and that you are responding quickly to people. Um, what, what else is in there that is an opportunity? For I think that in all cases, um, if you just look at what happened with the with consumers overall, right? Um, habit forming is really, really interesting. Um, um, mm-hmm. let, let me digress for just a minute. Yeah, please do. That's this is this is meant to be a, an okay. open conversation. Consumer behavior so. in times of a, acute environmental change um, happens in a very interesting way, like sort of psychologically. If you were uh, if you were out in your yard, right, and you like just ran your finger through the dirt and then you poured some water on it, naturally you'd have more water go through the trench you just made than not, right? You, that's the whole point. You, You've changed the slope mm-hmm. of the earth. The same thing kind of, you've changed the environment that that water is going to go through. And over time, that groove gets deeper and deeper and deeper until it's very difficult for water to run somewhere other than through that groove, right? Over time, it's Grand Canyon, right? That's mm-hmm. a very entrenched <laughs> environmental thing. Okay, so right. you know, put that same analogy on consumer behavior. On day one of this experience, someone just drugged their finger through the sand. On day five, they've not only made it deeper, but made it wider. Because what's happening for consumers right now is the habits that they're creating are getting entrenched. And that happens pretty rapidly in an acute situation like this. If you look at generations in the United States, the most conservative financial generation over the last hundred years was the greatest generation. They were super conservative because either they or their parents lived through the Great Depression and they saw that. And so consequently, Mm -hmm. cash is king for that group, security of investments. This was the group that made T-bills and muni muni bonds such a big market. And they were super conservative. And Mm -hmm. and every generation after that saw growth as a thing because they didn't see the risk the way their parents had. So the baby boomers took on huge risks, right? They they drove the equity markets higher. Mm -hmm. And then what ended up happening was the millennials, when they came along, 
got to see their parents' 401ks meltdown in the 2000s. And consequently, mm -hmm. the second most conservative financial generation in the United States in the last hundred years is the millennial group. They, they abhor debt compared to everybody else. They just don't like debt. That's why the personal, personal loans are more popular than credit cards with that group in many cases because the interest rates lower. They just don't like having that, that out there. They keep cash in a way that looks more like the greatest generation than it does baby boomers and Xers. And so these, these environmental stimuli change your behavior so rapidly, right? And, and, and the point of this is that habits are created by your environment. Habits are environmental in most cases for humans. And so think about what just happened sure. for all of us. You know, we just came home and now we're not going to the office anymore. And we spend our day in front of a computer, right? In front of a screen, video chats, mm -hmm. and podcast calls and whatever else we're doing. But we're looking here instead of being with other people all the time. So what's happened is that since the computer is right in front of us, everything we do just went to the computer. I'm not even going to try if I can't get it, if I can't get it done while I'm on my computer. Right. Or on it my just phone. became <laughs> so vital because it's so easy and it's right there in front of you. Like, so we went out when I remember at the beginning of the conversation, we we're talking about the importance of information right after you solve your acute problem and you get your legs under you. As soon as you think you have that, you start looking for information. And we did, too. And the few things that we found really rapidly was that in the, in the banking business overall, um, online account opening searches were up 15 percent. Now, you would think people actually wouldn't mm. be looking for accounts in such an acute situation. This was the most acute week we had had. Totally everybody going home, right? Right. You'd think they weren't even thinking. Now's not the time but to change right. banks. <laughs> right. But compared to the last, the prior 12 weeks, online account opening searches are up 15% in that week and still up today, right? Things like personal loan searches, can I get a refi is up because they're hearing interest rates are down. Auto refis mm -hmm. are up, right? So the data became really, really important, really, really rapidly. And so, you know, that, that sort of started to tell us what to do next, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, that, that does make sense. I'm curious. So I, one of the things I make an effort to do here, because I've never worked in a in a community bank or credit union, but I do, I try to empathize and I try to imagine what it must be like to run one of these organizations. And I think, well, okay, so great. Online account opening. I understand what that is. I, I can see that I need it, but what if I don't have a solution in place? What if I'm not ready for an influx of online account opening? You know, you were talking about analyzing that consumer experience. What if I analyze it and it turns out it doesn't work very well? Yeah, that's it. Um, I mean, should I pause my, pause my marketing until yeah, I get it fixed so that yeah, I can those receive Yeah, those are very people? good, like downstream questions. So here, here's the path that I would say, uh, number one, if you believe this thing is going to be over in a week and a half, then it's not a problem. If you believe that something this acute and this uh, fear creating might, you know, groove the behaviors of consumers differently, then you have to believe that that spike in online account opening is continuing across all other areas, including retail. And it is funny thing. My next door neighbor, you, I don't know if I love honey baked hands and, and, and my next door neighbor works nice. for honey baked hands and he helps with some of the logistics. And he's like, man, our orders are through the roof online. We've never, even at Christmas and Thanksgiving, he's like, we don't get this many orders. We are just hemorrhaging orders right now they're coming from everywhere online we're just trying to get the things out the door to the people who are buying so you have to assume that overall online behavior is going to continue to increase and spike and those relationships will stick and the and the fis mm -hmm. who have already made that investment are in a good position because if you've made that investment and you solve that problem for a consumer in a time when they're at home saying well how am i possibly going to do my financial life and you solve it for them in a way that now is easy and they trust it, that consumer is unlikely to leave you when the situation changes back to what was the old normal. Because they, they have a new habit. There's a kind of That's imprint right. that, that happens. That groove when... that we drew in the sand has now, for them, become you know the Grand Canyon. It's a habit that is enforced and is not going anywhere.
And that will be an expectation for them. And so if, if you're an FI that's in the market today, you have to look at your online experience and say, is it easy enough to make people really come to do business with me? And there's a lot of varieties out there. Like some of our clients have a really great online experience where, I mean, you can fund an account and go straight through and never talk to a soul. Others might just have a form and say, and that might've been okay in the past. It worked great. Maybe it was a form that allowed that institution to then talk to you, get to know you, make sure they're serving your needs correctly, which sounds like a great idea. But not today, mm -hmm. because if today it requires you to come into the branch after that's submitted, now you've got to set an appointment. Now it's getting really hard, right? I, as a consumer, am starting to not be interested in that. Right. You've increased yeah. the complexity, the logistic necessity, and and the, how, how's that going to fit into everything else? That's exactly right. <laughs> I mean, yes. And so the, those things are like, you've got to be looking at how you're going to do business online and how you can engage a consumer in this world when maybe they can't leave the house. Maybe, maybe this doesn't fix itself in a week and a half and it takes three months, then what? Right. Um, and, and in that environment, you know, you've got to figure out how to serve that consumer for all their needs. And, and so what we've done is move very rapidly to make sure we prioritize how to help our FIs deliver that service. So that's that's kind of when we were in that stage of, you know, acute uh, information to, OK, now what? When we got to, OK, now what? That was part of the, OK, now what? Yeah. And then I think you, you know, gotcha. right? That makes sense. Yeah, just, um, you know, shouldn't, should I pause my marketing until my online account opening experience is good enough to receive those people, um, you know, so that I'm not like driving them to a dead end? No, so I, I mean, like, I would absolutely say not. And I, I know that sounds self-serving because I run a marketing shop, but, uh, you know, uh, as a business leader, again, this is a data thing, right? And so we actually pulled all of our data as well and said, um, how is the media performing and how is it working in comparison to how it's worked over the last 12 weeks? And it's, it's the same. It's not like it's had any deterioration. And remember, all we market is product stuff, which means somebody's got to be looking for a product to find it. And so that has actually stayed incredibly steady through this thing so far, even when account opening has dropped way off. But the reason account opening has dropped way off is because they had to go in the branch to do it, right? They had to go in the Mm. So this, I mean, so this, there's no way around it. This is the opportunity. Like online account opening is a massive opportunity right now. And it, it's only likely to get yeah, more and important it's in the one future. Of the opportunity. I don't want to, I don't want to diminish the importance of the branch and the branch footprint because, you know, from a marketer standpoint, um, like if I, if we were out in Denver, out in Colorado, where you're at, and we had two institutions and one of those institutions mm -hmm. had 15 branches and one had two. If we sent the exact same direct mail and marketing into the same community, no different offer, everything's the same, whoever has the most branches is just going to have the higher performance against their media. They're going to perform better. And it's because the footprint of the organization is still really important because people drive by it and it creates awareness and brand. And that's really, really important. So I don't want to diminish the okay. value of the brand. But what I'm trying to get to is that the consumer behaviors have to be met where they are. And right now we're teaching people to be in a little bit different space. But at the same time, when you're online, if you have a website today and a consumer finds you online, they should find you through marketing. So the answer to should you stop marketing is no, because I'm in front of this computer all day. If you disappear now, you're just the small institution that couldn't hang when things got hard. And do I want you to have my money? No, absolutely. Don't want you to have my money. I will, I will. Right. Right, you got to stay visible. The one, the one place you can stay. Yeah, visible, so you got to get visible, visible out there. And then when they go to your website, you have to be clear and transparent with them. Like, if your branches are um, limited hours, put your phone number on the website, front and center, so somebody who wants to talk to you can talk to you. I know that seems weird for some of the institutions because they often don't want people to call them, but man front and center. It's not they don't want them to call them, but they want them to use the website. Right now, if you have limited hours and you need to set an appointment, you need to have a way for people to get in touch with you as easy as possible. And if it is as easy as possible as picking up this phone that is literally six inches away from my computer right now, and I can call you and set that appointment, great. If you want to say, text us, put a text us at this location, give them a simple way that meets their behavior, not yours. Don't tell them they got to come in. 
Do it in a way that makes yeah. it fit their behavior. Put a text messaging link up on there. Tell them to find you. That's a great idea. I mean, I, I've I've had a great experience with with a, a CFI that that like I was working with a loan officer over text message. I was like, this is great. I can answer questions. I can like move about my day. I don't have to like stop and make a phone call and like gather all my documentation or whatever. Like this is really really convenient. I think that's a great and and in a way like offering the yeah. real phone number right is is, is still an act of trust right. You don't just give your phone number out to anybody, but like showing people that you're willing to be available in that way. I think it would mean something. Oh yeah, it it definitely does. I I definitely see institutions that, you know, their CEO is willing to put their phone number or their cell phone on something. I always am wowed by that. And I think, man, that is, that is somebody who's wanting to serve. Show them how you can serve them. Now's the time. But I, we also had a, 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 I guess it was during the financial meltdown. I was at a large financial institution that was super conservative. So we didn't actually, we didn't actually lose any real money in that situation, but it slowed us down like everyone else. But more than anything else, it changed consumer behavior mm-hmm. and, and they didn't know which financial institutions to trust, right? And so I was, running, I was running marketing at that uh-huh. time and we shifted all of our messaging into some level of reassurance messaging. Now, I'm not saying that you should do all of your marketing into reassurance messaging. Reassurance is things like, uh, hey, yes, we're open. Yes, we've been here for 85 years serving you. I'm actually not a big fan of those messages normally. I actually tell people to never use them in a marketing piece because they don't drive consumer purchase behavior. But it's not the differentiator that, that that's you right. Need to but get right their now, attention. in a time of acute crisis, when one of the drivers is, I need to make sure that uh, this organization is going to be here and are they open and that kind of thing. I do want to trust you, and and it won't last for long. I mean, like that thing won't last for long. That reassurance messaging, it, it won't. It, it'll last for a couple of months and work well, and then everybody will find a new norm and they'll be back to product shopping like we always do. But right now, on your on your websites, and tell them that you're open. Tell them that you've been around for 85 years and you're not going anywhere. That is an, those things are important. We, we want to know that right now. Yeah, that makes, that makes good sense. I'm curious. So we've established like turning off your marketing is not the way to, yeah. to approach this because it's just too good an opportunity to miss. Honestly, it's not like a, well, uh, it hurts, but I'll still do it. It's like, oh yeah. my gosh, it's never been better yeah. to a better time. But I'm curious. Uh, from my understanding, th- there are some institutions that run their, especially their digital marketing uh, at a regional level. You know, they keep it maybe really confined to a few zip codes that are close to branches. And then there are others that may market at more of like a statewide level and then and then the yeah. national level. Do we, are, what are your thoughts about how institutions should approach that? Should they move to targeting nationally to compensate for the loss of in-branch traffic? Or yeah, so how, how do you see that working? That's a, that's a really uh, good uh, question. So on the when it, when it comes to your targeting for your institution, if you're reassuring people, you want to make sure that whether they're, if they're considering doing business with you, they could have been in Florida and found you in Ohio. And maybe they don't care if you've got a great and compelling offer. They still will care right now how reassured you can make them that you're a secure institution and you're serving the community. Remember, sometimes I think one of the hard things with uh, um, community FIs is that the word community has a very physical sensation because of who we're talking about. But when you when you talk about a, a consumer, communities are very, very, very um, definition unconstrained. I could, I could just be part of your community mm. because I open an account. I might live in Florida and you're in Ohio. I might be part of your community because I like the blog posts that you put up and I find them informative and I'm part of the community that is informed and educated by you. So community has a very broad sense. Of, and so from, from my perspective, I would say, Yes, local. If you're advertising local and you've got stuff up, just make sure that they know about it. You know, uh, make sure that you have your website, but but yes, okay. do that. If you have and make sure you're communicating to them how to how to leverage your services. So even if you don't have online great online services right now, um, but you're working on them, or if they are great, you still want people to know locally if they need to come in, they can. Um, if you're going regionally and nationally, you would be doing that right now because you have a really good online experience. And in that case, 
I would not just go a little bit right now. I would go a lot right now. I would be saying, man, I'm going to go whole hog right now because everybody who can't afford to run uh, in this type of an environment is going to pull back. And what we see in media right now is that you, you know, you're, you're spending uh, 40%, Nielsen said that people were spending 40% more time consuming media. That means four hours, yeah, that means four hours wow. a day streaming something, four hours a day on a phone. I mean, just go through the list of all the things we're doing because we're in front of this device, all this computer or your phone all the time. We're both. And so impressions are through the roof. Media just got cheap, right? Got way cheap. Ours, our call. Our calls per click dropped off too. Yeah. Right? We're getting we're getting clicks a lot cheaper because there's so much media, people online searching. And so if you're gonna go national and you've really got the chops to open those accounts, I would go big right now. I would not go small. I would go target as the best customers that you want and because other people are gonna pull back. So if you if, if now's the time for you and you've steadied your operations and can make that work, I would go fast as you can. Okay. Interesting. I'm I'm curious on that note too. Uh, do you think it's still important to offer things like a high rate? Like if, if you're offering yeah. something like a reward checking, I mean, like w what is the offer that you think yeah, is going to get people's be, attention? I would still be um, uh, um, product centric as much as you can, even on the reassurance messaging. Like you shouldn't you shouldn't go 100% reassurance messaging. I would say probably 30% for a couple of months would be fine. But you still want to have your product marketing in market because everything that we see, remember, people are searching for online account opening. That's up. They got to be looking to open an account. You've got to tell them why yours is better. You still owe them that. And you still owe it to your organization to say, yeah, mm. I've got a good rate. I've got great features. If it's if, if you're using an app for something like the Casas alone has an app with it. So we put that app in all the advertisements for Casas alone because it differentiates it. That's a great thing to do. People want to know that right now, right? So that's the reason that some of the Casas alone marketing that we see a pickup in right now because people want to make sure they know that they can access it online or on their phone. And those are those are good things to push and lean into hard right now. And I would also say that now is a great time to rally your internal teams. There are a lot of community institutions who have been dragging their feet on this topic, right? Like, um, you know, how, let me just put it this way. The, the migration to this type of engagement for a consumer is going to accelerate now, not slow down. For all generations, not just, not just the young people, all generations. Even people who didn't want to be using their phone or their computer to do banking is now that they're now yes, forced whole, on some the, level this, to do it. This experience is an accelerant in that area like no other that we've seen. And um, there was a very large um, digital only banking and lending institution on one of the financial shows last night. And their inflows of cash was through the roof, right? Because mm -hmm. people are pulling out, pull, pulling it out of the stuff. Well, not opening a lot of accounts, right? Because you know, it's easy to do it from your house. I can take a picture of my ID, okay. and I'm off and running. Ah, uh, okay. In in that, like in that environment where you're seeing impressions and you know inventory go up, is is there an underrated advertising or marketing channel like that that's still valuable, but people might be overlooking it for? Um, I don't know if there's an underrated one necessarily. There's probably an underused. There's probably a couple of them that are underused. Um, I would say uh, underused, but not because it's underrated nationally. It's underrated by some of our institutional partners because they just haven't gotten accustomed to it yet. Um, streaming's up in the four hour a day range, right? Roku, Hulu, any place okay. that you can put a streaming ad like that's this is the reason we built all of our ads for streaming format is because this is where the increase is going to be um, somewhere in the neighborhood. I think it's the end of 2020 that like 85 percent of all Internet traffic will be videos. So, I mean, like that's an that's an, that's an incredible 85 <laughs> all Internet time that's spent. Yeah, videos. it's crazy. It's and so. If that's true, um, that's an underutilized way to get multiple messages out quickly to consumers. 
Um, I, I would also say that, um, in my opinion, one of the old school ways still works great, and that's direct mail, right? Um, you, you've using direct mail. Um, there was a time when I remember when uh, when everybody was email marketing years ago, just starting out. Everybody thought, oh, this is going to totally replace direct mail. And for a while, direct mail took a little bit of a hit. Now, direct mail is like the premium version of email. It's like everybody went. It's like, hey, this is this is so much nicer than just getting a <laughs> thing in my inbox, you know. And so th those things are underutilized from a marketing standpoint, and the technology behind both of those now is so great. You could target them. You can pick your consumers. It, it's such a it's such a different game now than 20 years ago when I started doing this. That's really interesting. I wonder if people it'll be interesting to see if if direct mail has like a a measurable boost that can be attributed to like people just spending more time at home and like, well, I guess I'll see what's in the mailbox, you know, and like just sitting. With yeah. I mean, that, that is a real, I hadn't thought about that, but that's, uh, I guess now that you pointed out, I've looked at the mail more than I normally do. Cause you know, I try, you know me, I mean, Zach, we, I travel a lot. Right. So I'm not <laughs> the mail all the time. I am now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I guess you know yeah. we'll have a retrospective on that and see what what happened to direct mail uh, I'm curious, in, in the I'm age of coronavirus. Your behavior, like, um, what's your behavior like? Because I know you too. I mean, you 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 worked out in uh, Colorado for what three years now, and in that time, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. like you're you you work at, out of your home all the time. But I, I know you sure you come and go. How's your like behavior in this environment changing? Uh, so it has it has changed a fair amount because in in that three year time I, I would say when I started working from Colorado I stayed pretty close to the house and then it became very apparent that I needed to to get out and you know have have more kind of yeah, texture right. to my life <laughs> so yeah. like we got a gym a gym membership and uh, you know I go and and take put the kids they've got a great childcare so I take the kids and put them in go for a run. And then come back and, you know, knock it out an hour and a half of work or whatever. So some of those things that we had started to build into our life that were, you know, getting us out in the community and meeting people, um, a lot yeah. of that stuff is, has shut down, right? So like my working, my working day hasn't changed right. tremendously in that regard. Um, but a lot of those things where it was like, you know, getting involved in a church and, you know, making some new friends and some of that stuff that was happening we're now like, okay, well, yeah. how are we going to connect with these people? <laughs> how are we going to stay connected? Um, and my wife and I are really fortunate. We live next door to our best friends. And so we have kind of like, we can still sort of be doing the social distancing thing and still having some really high quality, um, you know, relational time even with our friends. Um, so that's kind of how I would say that the, the change has been made. I've actually connected with some friends in other parts of the country more than I would have just because I, I guess I have a little more time and like, that's, so that's go anywhere. <laughs> so. that's, that was my next question for you. So you're not going to the gym as much because you can't be out doing this. So if you still go for a run, but you're not going as many places, your car's sitting idle for longer, which means you're in the house and in your house, you're probably mm -hmm. like a lot of consumers, right? You're streaming more, you're online more. Even if you're talking to someone, you're, yep. you're using and grooving the habits of these devices more and more and more rapidly. Right. Yeah. That's the Absolutely. That's not going away. <laughs> I'm curious uh, what the, what do you, can you talk a little bit about market, the, the impulse that businesses tend to have to cut the marketing budget? Yeah. In, in troubled times. Like I, I've heard this over and over again, and, and it seems like the, the conventional wisdom says, don't do that, but it, it doesn't always win out over so, that impulse to, to yeah, cut so, back. So to be clear, what do you it, going on it, is, it is a little bit dependent upon the business. So um, I know uh, quite a lot of people in the financial services business and like there's a portion of the financial services business that's in like the prepaid uh, card business or the underbanked business, right? And if you're in a direct-to-consumer model mm -hmm. in that business and people can't get access to your stuff, 
right? Because they're not able to go get those prepaid cards anymore off the shelf, or they're not going to the grocery store as much and getting them, or whatever the case might be. The point is that if your marketing is directly tied to a transaction right now, today, or tomorrow, and that's how you do your business, that is one where you definitely have to look at where's the foot traffic going to go, right? And because they're they're doing a purchase behavior somewhere else. In the banking business, in mm-hmm. the investments business, in the insurance business, it doesn't really work quite like that, right? Your your presence and your stability is equally an important fact in future purchases as it is in purchases today. And so some of the media is definitely going to drive immediate benefit to you, which is fantastic. You have to make sure it does that. But the, I would say, the, so there's definitely different circumstances, but the reason that, that people cut budget immediately in marketing is because marketing as a general rule has the largest discretionary cash budget, right? So even, even if you look across okay. uh, our organization and you compared like my budget in marketing to the operations budget that Vanessa Vanamede, our, our chief operations officer runs, you know, Hers is people, software, hardware, right? That kind of stuff. But she's not out buying media. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? She she doesn't have that type of a discretionary budget. Whereas, whereas I have far fewer people okay. on a per unit basis. And my software ebbs and flows, but I have a lot bigger outflow of cash. And so most organizations, when they're doing this, they have to pick. I'm either going to cut people or I'm going to cut cash. So which one are you going to do? You love your teams and you love your people. You cut the cash. Okay. And I hate that from a marketing standpoint, they cut the cash, but that's, I recommend it too. I mean, I'm a marketing leader, but I'm a business leader and I love my teams. I would much rather see the cash slow up for a little bit than see the people. Cause I can always figure out a way to use the people to drive the business. Yeah, and that that's I think that's a really interesting insight. I haven't I don't feel like I've heard anybody really talk about that. I mean, I was kind of kind of buried in this question is like is there a, a, is there a case to be made for a marketing budget to be considered an operational expense? And I mean, based on what you said, it sounds like, you know, it's it's kind of nuanced, yeah, right? It depends on the business. Yourself, it does depend a lot on on the business. And I, and I you know, a lot of people might scale back on it. I, 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 I recognize that if you're if you're long in marketing right now, you, for some of the organizations, if they were taking bigger risks than they had in the past, maybe they do pull back a little bit, especially if they were, you know, experimenting in new areas. Those experimentations, you know, are risky in the first place. So now's a good time to push pause on a little experiment and then circle back around on it. You can use that resource and that time to make your online great. You can use that resource and time and the people to go out in the community when you can go back out. But you can use it. You know, I mean, like, even with that, like, there are some things that are, that, that that companies are doing to show support for their communities right now oh, that, yeah. are, that really matter. You know, I mean, like that's so. My wife does does some food delivery, and the the company that she works for is actually a private company that started up here called uh, Noko Nosh, and they started donating money to local food pantries because they're empty, right? Like there are things that you can do to kind of step out in your community to show people that that how much you care and how much you are willing to invest in taking yeah. care of them and being there for them. Um, even if like you, you just got to be creative yeah. about finding those opportunities because well, like, they're, they're, they're waiting. The great thing is like most yeah, community FIs actually have such knowledgeable people about their community and the business relationships there. They're a great source of information because they do know so many business leaders and they have been in the community a long time. And you know one of the things that most of them are not great at that we all spend hours a day doing is social media. The, the, and so like right now is a great time if you're going to, like, if, if you don't have many people in foot traffic, man, take six of those people and throw them into social media and say, you guys are all managing the Facebook site and the LinkedIn site and the Twitter feed and all this stuff that we haven't been doing before, because that's how consumers are going to find you. Now is a great, and it doesn't cost you anything more because you're still keeping the people employed. Just use them different. It's easy. 
That is a great, great point. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't even considered that at all, but uh, but social media is, is another big opportunity because, uh, I mean, uh, I'm not even big on social yeah. media and I'm spending a lot more that time. That recommendation will be the next letter uh, that sends out to everybody next <laughs> well, Keith, this has been such a great conversation. Um, I think uh, that our listeners are going to find a lot of value in this. I think there's a lot of hope to be had in terms of, of meaningful things that they can do for their business, um, meaningful yep. things that they can do for their community, um, to not get sucked into, you know, a, a pit of despair over this thing. Like that's, we, we don't need to be there because they're there are actions that we can take right yeah, now. I mean, that, the, the number one thing off. to remember is that, you know, this is not like any other that I've ever been through in the last 20 years, because in this one, we are all equally at risk. We're all equally impacted. It is not systemic to one industry alone. It's systemic to the entire economy. And because of that, you have motivated partners in every area of your business. It's never been like this before. It is such a unique experience. I mean, we're all, even though there's some scary things about it and all that, we're all kind of blessed right now to be able to take on new challenges and work together to do that. Because at the end of it, I honestly do believe that not only will Casas as a business, but all of our partner businesses will all be better because of it. I hate that we're having to go through this and there could be potential loss of life for sure. Uh, and that is, that is just such a terrible thing. From a business standpoint, we're all going to be better on the other right. side of this. Wow. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I really enjoyed spending this time with you. I for valuable for our listeners and okay. uh, we're going to have to have you back and, and yeah, I'd love to. you know open yeah. up the topic some more so all right well thank you see i told you i'd still be here there's no question these are uncertain times and that's exactly why americans need to hear from the institutions that will help them weather the storm and rebuild on the other side. Consumers and businesses are all desperate to find stability, especially when it comes to finances. You are uniquely positioned to offer this stability. With the right approach, you can create powerful connections with consumers at a time when we're all feeling pulled apart. The time to stay visible and get noticed is now. The message you spread today can help build the brand and the legacy that you rely on tomorrow next month, and 50 years from now. Meanwhile, stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands. We are rooting for you. Thanks again for listening to Thinking Outside the Vault, a podcast produced and distributed by Kasasa. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to our podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher, and leaving a review. This helps other listeners to discover us. You can also send us your comments and feedback to social at casasa.com. Mm-hmm.